0: Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Keith Steigert, Uber reader and romance junkie. Pat Greiner. She has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. These people are passionate about books.
1: Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls. To brine or not to brine? That- I've never tried brining. Had one.
0: I don't do a wet brine. I've done a dry brine before. Okay, so what's that about? I don't know. I just coat it in salt. Oh.
2: I took a class on turkey roasting at... Uh herbadashery when it was still open, oh, if you remember that place. Yeah, I do remember that and, place. Yeah, and they did they did great little cooking classes. And it was what they taught me was to loosen the skin around the the turkey's basically around its butt since it's <laughs> at the end you're generally stuffing from. And you put the spicing, all your spices, up under between the skin and the meat rather than just oh. putting it in the dressing the and, after the
3: brine. and basting, yeah. I soften the butter and then I mix all the spices in there. So I make like a spice blend with the butter and then I go underneath the skin and rub it all on the underneath part. Yeah, you don't mm. really need
0: to baste when you do that.
3: Did it I make... still baste, but not very much. Does it make the skin nice and crispy? Oh yeah, that butter makes it brown and crispy. Ooh. But I usually like, I cover my breasts and stuff, the top of it, I just do a little tent foil on the very top so it doesn't get too brown. You tent foil your breasts, that's awesome. I tent foil my breasts, yeah. <laughs> Make some little cones, some little boob so, cones. From I was going to say that,
1: that, call it the Madonna. Yep. I Madonna you know, the, up the, my
3: turkey. The bullet bra.
1: Yeah. Or, like yeah, when it still one... has
3: like an hour or so to cook, you cover it so it doesn't get too mm-hmm. brown or vice versa. You take it off halfway through. Oh,
2: just what she was saying reminded me of
3: that article you
2: sent around a couple days ago about the the bullet bras and and from the 50s and the... <laughs>
1: Those things are crazy. You can tell a man invented those bras. That was back in the days where guys did everything, and when most women don't have pointy tits. No, no. There was
2: there was a girl in the dorm room next to me in college who still, even though it was not the fifties, she still wore that style of almost a bra. And we all, well, not to her face, but behind her back, we all called her missile tits.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That was a mean girl. Yeah. Pew, pew,
1: pew.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And also I was going to say, I read somewhere that Butterball pre-brines their turkeys before they package them. So like when you buy a Butterball turkey, they've already done a brine on the turkey, a wet brine.
2: I wonder if If that's like an option or are they all that way?
3: I don't know. But if you look at the ingredients, it's salt and water and then turkey, but, and that's because they do a brine on it it probably keeps it probably fresher.
1: preservative i don't know that they yeah probably
3: well salt is a preservative
1: yeah, it is yeah a lot of times the chicken breasts that you buy are done that way too they're like they flash freeze the salt water on top of the breasts
3: because it makes them last longer
1: yeah makes the nipples poke out too because they're cold
3: <laughs> ah, and it's
2: uh, what i found is turkeys labeled as basted, self-basted, kosher, or enhanced are typically brined before you buy them.
1: Oh, see, now we, we've learned something new today. So if you, really, yeah. if you really want to do your own brine start to finish, you'd have to get a fresh turkey.
3: And I mean, you can get a different brand. I mean, not all brands are going to be like that. I just, okay. The reason why I found that out is because I was Googling what the best kind of turkey to buy was because I, you know, looking at Walmart, seeing what was available, and that's when I saw that. Last
1: week was too early.
3: Just to get together the menu, because you that's can't this do week. a grocery list until you get together a menu. Well, that's this If you week. wait until the last week to do your Thanksgiving grocery shopping, everything is going to be sold out. It, look. Why do you think look, I had, you had to you steal can't, pumpkin from you?
1: You cannot buy a turkey too early unless you have a big-ass refrigerator to store it
3: i don't have anything in my freezer you know how i keep food in my house
1: yeah but most people don't have room for a turkey in their freezer
2: well you just shift that we we have to shift a bunch of stuff around and start like a week before we're gonna buy the turkey it's like okay let's use up some of this stuff in the freezer that's how could take, you be you so just,
1: organized stop it hey i had
2: to start last spring Planting the pumpkins, growing the pumpkins for the pumpkin pie. And you
3: thought I started early. I started
1: way before People, make me look bad. Okay, I am bad. I'll admit it. I'll raise my hand and say I don't usually... Ever since we started going to Joan's, I don't really have to cook a turkey if I don't want. So that part of it has kind of been taken care of for me. I don't have to make the turkey anymore because Joan makes the turkey.
3: Well, see, I make everything.
1: I make everything else, but not the turkey. Make
3: sure that I have everything planned from timing. Yep. Make sure I have enough time to get my casseroles done after my turkey's done. Make sure I don't have another stove fiasco like what happened last year. What
1: are you going to do about that? It's not like you can test your stove to see if it's going to like quit in the middle of turkey dinner. (laughs) I have an
3: electric roaster. You back up people. Your stove died in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner last year. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, I had that happen
0: too, which is why I own an electric roaster. Yeah. I said, well, I set fire to my oven one year.
3: Oh my Um, gosh. Oh my gosh. I had a
0: really cheap Kmart roasting pan, and the olive oil burned right (gasps) through it. Oh shoot. Whoa. After that,
1: I had an electric roaster every year just in case. Um, so what kind of casseroles are you making this year, Bonnie?
3: I mean, just the normal sweet potato casserole.
1: What do Um, you put in your sweet potatoes?
3: I have to make it like dessert because that's how Tyler likes it. So, so like cinnamon, sugar. Um, I don't buy the canned sweet potatoes because sometimes they get too, do you know, like the, um, mushy. The little no, the strings, yeah, tough strings, every, the fibers,
1: yeah, every so sweet potato. I
3: roast, I roast the bake, the potatoes the night before, and then I just scoop out the insides and I use that.
1: Oh, so you whip it? Yep. Yep, me too. Only I. I use... whip it
3: with brown sugar, cinnamon. I think there might be a little bit of vanilla in there. It's basically like a sweet potato pie, but in uh, a casserole with marshmallows on top.
1: I make um, orange orange praline so I put um, orange juice in there for the liquid when I wh- whip it up and orange zest and brandy and butter and stuff like that and then the top part has like a praline curry. it's definitely dessert that's what it is I, I take it every year when, we, when I go over Yeah, it, it's mostly for Joan nobody else likes it except for us <laughs> She goes. Are you bringing sweet potatoes this year? <laughs> I love it. She loves it. Everybody else is like, "Eh, sweet potatoes are gross." <laughs> I like the sweet potato casserole. I love casserole. sweet potatoes.
3: I love them. It's yeah. I like sweet potatoes, anyways. Tell Ke- you the Keith's keeps wrinkling but...
1: her nose up like a picky child right now.
0: Keith does not like sweet potatoes.
1: Oh man, there's, there's one delicious. Oh. they're too sweet. Oh, see, mine aren't I'm crazy too sweet. About them either. Really? Hmm. No. Yeah, that's pretty typical percentage-wise. I'm surprised <laughs> anybody <laughs> likes them but me. What about uh, green bean casserole? Do you do that? No. no. Not,
3: nobody really likes it, so I'm going to do um, bacon and almond asparagus instead. Uh,
1: that sounds like good.
3: you. you cook the bacon and then you cook the asparagus in the bacon grease. <laughs> and then you steam it like in the pan mm. and then sprinkle it with almonds.
2: Oh, Ron would love that. Yeah, this is on my list of things that send me screaming from the room. So
3: one of the hardest things about planning anything for my family is all the picky ass eaters that I have. Yeah,
1: she can't have anything too bougie. And by too bougie, I mean anything that doesn't come from a can.
3: Yeah, <laughs> because anything too
1: bougie, my mom isn't going to like. That's like that too brandy,
3: fancy. That brandy orange shit that you make. Yeah, that she, she wouldn't, wouldn't be having that. that. Yeah, I
1: know. And, and uh, Joan's family's a bit like that too, which is why nobody likes it but us.
3: <laughs> so for my mom, I have to make a squash, which the only people that'll eat that is me and her. And then for Tyler, I have to make the sweet potato casserole because that's what he likes. And I make him that every year. Asparagus, I was trying to think of something green that everybody will eat.
1: Good luck. But that does sound, (laughs) it sounds delicious. It really does.
3: Well, Tyler and my mom will eat asparagus. I don't think Tyler's girlfriend will, but you know, I just can't please everybody.
1: No, you cannot.
3: I mean, I have some broccoli in the freezer. If she wants me to steam her some broccoli, I can make that. Turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, sweet potatoes, and asparagus. And of course, pumpkin pie, because... You have to have pumpkin pie.
1: Yeah, I'm doing mm-hmm. pumpkin chiffon. Joan always does a regular pumpkin too. For those people yeah. who, who aren't chiffon people like Bonnie. It's not
3: that I don't like the chiffon, I do, but it tears my stomach oh, up. Oh God,
1: that's right. Yeah, because it has... It, you make it with heavy cream. Is it heavy cream or evaporated milk? One of the two.
3: I don't know. I, I know that one year that I ate it at your house, I barely made it home. <laughs>
2: I had a complete pumpkin pie disaster about 2 2 weeks ago. It was uh, one of the weeks I was off from the podcast, but I was making a pumpkin pie for the cast party of the show. Oh. And was like I did not have a lot of extra time. Oh no. And as I like to do, I decided to experiment with something I'd never tried before when I had to take it and serve it to a bunch of people. Yeah. Oh no. Okay then. Not- What could be better with a pumpkin pie than instead of a standard crust or even a graham cracker crust, a ginger snap
1: crust? Hey, I've had that, it's really good.
2: Well, except for whatever reason, the recipe that I had did not seem to like pumpkin pie because it absorbed the liquid from the pumpkin pie. And then it puffed up into this weird gingerbread crumb colored kind of sponge that <laughs> oh. that was like creeping tofu and erupted all around the sides of the, of the pie. And, and then it subsided and it, I ended up, I forget what else I made. I made something else. Oh some, some like pumpkin bread I made Mm. real quick instead to take, but we kept them because they were just hideous. They tasted delicious, but they were seriously ugly.
3: Uh (laughs) Uh, Have you ever made an impossible pumpkin pie, a pumpkin pie with no crust? No, no. Yeah. My grandma used to make it every year. You make it with, um, you put bisquick in it when you're mixing it. And then when you cook it, the bisquick kind of settles down around the edges, so I mean, it's not like a crust, but it's a little bit thicker around the edges, so it makes it solid.
1: Wow, you know what I- I have had that with other pies, but I've never thought to do it with pumpkin. Bonnie won't like this idea, but you know that place I go um, to do the remotes at Pauline's? They do a lot of uh, gluten-free stuff. The last time I was there, it was so incredible. It was a uh, brownie pumpkin cheesecake. So the bottom of it was like a flourless brownie, flourless chocolate cake type thing and then the next layer was pumpkin cheesecake and then there was a real thin layer of chocolate it wasn't a ganache it was like like because it wasn't that dark just the tiniest thinnest layer on the top holy shit that was good it was not too sweet that sounds amazing it was amazing and I'm thinking hmm, why would I not like that because it's cheesecake and it would give you a stomachache I'd still like it. It just would
3: make my, I would just have to eat it at home, close to the bathroom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is a shitter dessert right here. (laughs) Got to be near the shitter to eat this one.
3: Why do you Mm -hmm. think I have Thanksgiving dinner at my house? Because I make a lot of stuff with milk.
1: (laughs) Make everybody go home early so you can go hang out in the bathroom for the rest of the night. I'm
3: like, "Uh, isn't it time for everyone to leave now? I just go to the back bathroom and make sure there's candles in all the bathrooms.
0: It occurred to me that I should probably shop for um, Thanksgiving, so now I'm shopping for Thanksgiving. <laughs> we <laughs> remind <placing>, you. <laughs> I'm placing an online order for the stuff I need.
3: Yeah, I have mine all in the card. I just haven't checked out yet because I probably won't go until tomorrow. You got any tasty books for us today? The book I'm reviewing this week is kind of a reread for me. And it would be for most people, I think. It's The Diary of Anne Frank by Anne Frank. Like most everybody who is in the United States and listens to the podcast, this was probably one of your mandatory reads when you were in school. It was for me. But of course, when I read it, I was extremely naive about the horrors of the Holocaust and about how evil the Nazi party was. So even though I enjoyed the book and I liked it, I did not understand the significance of it when I read it the first time. And for anybody who hasn't read it, it is about a 13 year old girl in Holland in 1942 and her family and another family went into hiding in Amsterdam to avoid being sent to concentration camps. And she kept a diary while she was living in this attic. It was published after she died. Actually, the only one out of the whole family who survived was her father. And her father decided to go ahead and let them publish the diary. A little bit sad. A whole lot sad, actually. Um, And this is just about her and her family's experiences with hiding um with the shortage of food because of everything was rationed and of course they didn't have ration tickets so they had to rely on other people to give them part of their rations and then as the war progressed the rations became more rare and more rare so they struggled they ate a lot of beans a lot of vegetables that were a little past the expiration date (laughs) You know, little wilty carrots, not so much crispy as bendy. I just thought it was extremely interesting because it's kind of like an inside look at not only what it was like to live through that time period, but also to be in the mind of this 13-year-old girl who's going through puberty and everything that teenagers go through, but she can't express A lot of it because she's cramped in this small space. I also thought it was extremely sad that, well, this is probably a spoiler. I probably shouldn't say it, but it's public knowledge, right? I was going to say, I don't think
0: there are any spoilers anymore for that. Not
3: for that one. Yeah, but um, some of the people who had been captured from the hiding place died just days before, before the concentration camps were liberated. Just, I mean, one of them, it was even four days, four days before. I mean, just, it's just extremely sad that both of these families who did absolutely nothing to deserve it, besides being Jewish, had to go into hiding, hid for, I think it's like two years they hid before being betrayed and found out and then sent to these concentration camps and killed. It's just horrible. It's sad. And this is one of those reads that I read when I was extremely young and I appreciated it more when I read it the second time. I don't know if anybody else does that. If they go back and read something that they read it when they were a teenager and you just get a totally different take on it. So it, it, it was great. It was good. And I, if I think that Anyone who's interested in historical fiction who read this when they were a teenager, read it again now that you're more knowledgeable of the situation.
1: There's a ton of books that I've done that with over the years, and it's so satisfying to finally understand why you were given this (laughs) assignment you hated so much when you were in school, (laughs) but yet the books are so incredible. I, I think maybe only one other time, have I really not liked the book better when I read it as an adult?
3: But it was it was really good. And I've done that before with um, How to Kill a Mockingbird because I read that actually twice when I was in school, when I was like 13, 14 years old. And then I read it again when, um, what was the second one that came out? The Watchmen? It was Set a Watchmen? Yeah. And I read it again before I read the second book. It was even more awesome when I read it as an adult. But this book, again, is called, it's actually called Anne Frank, The Diary of a Young Girl by Anne Frank. Awesome. Keith.
1: <laughs> What's that about? You got some smutty for us?
0: No. <laughs>
1: Damn. Damn. No, but you, I
0: don't know. I was thinking about how you're super excited to burst into the Christmas holiday since we haven't had Thanksgiving yet. So, yeah, I, I read
1: a Christmas book. <laughs> hey, you know, there there might be too many of them <laughs> to, you know, not spill over into the Thanksgiving holiday. I'll forgive.
0: Doesn't matter because that's a book I read anyway. Oh, all right, then. <laughs> Fine. book you- I read this week is called Kisser Once for Me by Allison Cochran. And thank you to Megan Rudloff over at Atria publishing for sending this to me. I would have read it regardless because I really like this author, but that was pretty sweet to be able to get it first. Her debut was in my like top five for the year last year. This In this book, our main characters are Ellie, who has moved from Ohio and now lives in so I'm fairly certain this book takes place in Oregon. Now I'm gonna feel really stupid if it takes place in Washington. For some reason, those states are the same to me. Sorry, people out there, I know. Ellie moved out to Oregon um, for her dream job. She went to school and had a master's in like animation. So she moved out to get a, a job with an animation studio. And she is having a real hard time acclimating I guess to the new state and it's Christmas Eve night and she's just having a really rough time and in or in this part of Oregon apparently it doesn't snow enough that it sticks and makes a big mess and on this Christmas Eve it did and it's pretty much shut everything down and she meets this amazing woman named Jack and they have you know one of these amazing like day, afternoon, evening together, and then something happens and you have no idea what, but after Christmas day, they don't see each other again. And then we fast forward a year and Ellie's life has kind of gone into the toilet. She lost the job that she moved here for. She's like working as a barista in this awful coffee place with this terrible boss who doesn't appreciate her. And, um, the coffee place constantly plays bad Christmas music and they're constantly playing that last Christmas. I gave you my heart song, which she feels like is her anthem because last Christmas she had this amazing Christmas with this woman who she really thought could be the one after only like a day, but something completely messed it all up. And so now she can't afford rent. She just got passed over from a promotion by her boss. Um, And her mother is this terrible kind of human being who's constantly manipulating her for money, even though she can barely pay off her student loans. So she's in a really bad place money-wise, and she is having a day, and the guy that owns the building where she works comes in, and he apparently is having a really crap day too. And he takes her for a drink. And at the end of this evening, you find out that they have drunkenly set into a contract wherein they will get married for a year. He is super huge, super rich. And he was left $2 million from his grandfather, but he only inherits it if he is married, which don't even get me started. But so they, enter, so they decide to to get engaged for a matter of convenience. And he's going to give her 10% of, you know, his inheritance, which I mean, $200,000 for a year of just pretending to be married to a dude. I mean, if you didn't have any other options, I was thinking, (laughs) well, I could have been real into that in my early twenties. So of course to sell it like it's Christmas and he has to take her home to meet the family. And when he does, he keeps talking about how he he has this younger sister that he really loves, and she's this amazing woman. And we find out her name's Jacqueline and people call her Jack. And of course, Jack is her mysterious woman from the last year, who is the sister to her now engaged man. So it's the strangest love triangle ever (laughs) involving two siblings. It was a really, really nice love story all about living up to people's expectations just and about the just shitty things that your family can do to you because they don't think you're living the way that you should be and the ways that they try to get you to do as they would have wanted anyway. And the power that they try to hold over you and, you know, whether or not you're going to live with that, or if you're going to go off on your own and do your own thing and find your own happiness. But yeah, it, it was a really sweet Christmas love story. It's the kind of love story that you don't get a whole lot right now, but I'm hoping will change soon because it's, it's a really great queer love story that you just don't see enough of. It's not super spicy, but I mean, they definitely make out and stuff. I mean, it's not, you know, one of those, I don't think Megan would blush at it exactly, but I mean, they don't treat it like, oh, well, this is two women, so we're not gonna talk about any of the stuff women do. Um, But yeah, it was a great, it was a great book. Once again, I really hope more people read queer romances because even if it doesn't pertain to you, I still, I mean, obviously, doesn't pertain to me, but I still thought it was amazing. And it, it gets stories out for people who don't get to see themselves represented in fiction. So I loved it for all those reasons. And again, that was called Kiss Her Once for Me by Alison Cochran.
2: Awesome. You know, Keith, sometimes you even make romance sound appealing to me. And that's, (laughs) (laughs) I think because you pick some really great books, but you really do find the deeper side to them too. And thanks. I like that. I must
0: say, I, I don't read a lot of romances that are just romances for romance sake. Not that there's anything mm. wrong with that. I mean, I've read them, but I, they don't stick with me and they're not the kind of books I generally review just because these books that have a lot more to them, I mean, like poor Martha knows there's romance in a lot of different so, books. But so, you need something so else. You, many. Need, yeah. <laughs> you need that stuff that helps to bring the world in. Moving right around okay. along.
1: I, I have nothing else to say on, on the romance thing. I'm I'm not figure. I'm not very tolerant of romance as it happens in, in books. Yeah. I tend to just, the minute it starts to get too lovey-dovey, I'm like, ah, fuck this. I got better things to do. I know it's terrible. Okay, Pat.
2: What did you bring this so, week? So, I read a book that has lots and lots of relationships, but uh, very little or no romance. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> it's uh, it is uh, it's a really interesting book, Martha. I think you would like It came out about a year ago. It was a debut novel called... Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Cooper Smith. Wow. is that a great title?
1: It is a great <laughs> title. That really is a great title. I'm still
2: not entirely sure what it means, but it was a great title. Uh, the story is set in Saigon. Uh, present day for the story is 2010, but this is a story that jumps back and forth in time a lot. And if there was one drawback to doing it as an audio book rather than a print book, uh, and that was how I did it as an audiobook, it makes it hard to go back and look and say, no, wait a minute, what happened last time we were in that time period? Which I do a lot with print books that skip around in time. It, it's just not as easy with an audiobook. So you have to really, and they're very good about telling you where and when you are every time you switch but you still have to pay attention because Mm. it skips around a lot and there are a lot of characters. I mean, I could follow it, but there were a lot of times when I would have liked to have had the option to, oh, let me just flip back and see exactly
1: what happened there. That's the difficulty, yeah.
2: So anyway, the central character that it's built around is named Winnie and Winnie is an American Vietnamese woman. She's a... she's. Young, I want to say 21, 22, maybe. Her parents were refugees from Vietnam. She has was born and grew up in America. She goes back to Vietnam to learn about her heritage, to experience this part of the world that her family is connected to. And she's working as an English teacher in a not in a school like a high school, but in a just a school where people can enroll to take a language class or this or that. So Winnie is in Vietnam and she is one of the more self-effacing people, characters I have ever run into. She is just obsessed with staying in the background and not being noticed. She doesn't feel like she does a particularly good job at her job or at relationships or at life in general. She just kind of wants to hunker down and and observe and not be noticed. This doesn't make her a terrifically effective teacher. It makes her, in some ways, a difficult character to like because she is so passive. But the structure of the book turns on the fact that on one day in 2010, Winnie disappeared. And all of the chapters are introduced with reference to that time of that frame. So you'll get like 1990s such and such a place 20 years before the disappearance and everything is tied in that sense to it you open the story opens with her boyfriend her vietnamese boyfriend long waking up and realizing that she isn't there she that she wasn't home when he got in from work the night before he had gone to bed gone to sleep he wakes up there's no sign of her she's never and So so you you know right from the beginning that when he disappears, you don't know why or how, whether it's nefarious, whether she just chose to leave. So you don't know. And that's something that you come to find out the very end of the book. But woven into all of this are so many other characters. There's Long, his brother Tan, who was a policeman, and... A third, a friend of theirs, a girl named Min. And you get a lot about the childhood that the three of them shared and their shifting and conflicting relationships as they get older. And you get the gay couple back in the early 1900s who founded the rubber tree plantation that ties into this. And there is also a lot of supernatural stuff. Apparently, Vietnamese culture is pretty heavily influenced by the ideas of spirits and the supernatural and that certainly comes into play in the book more i would say to do with people's belief in them than whether or not they're real but there are certainly some some places where things happen and you go yep this is a spirit and that spirit has chosen to screw around with people in the real world and (laughs) there. There is an absolutely wonderfully described and vivid and horrifying scene where a spirit of a woman who is dead—I don't—I'm I, going to try and describe this without giving away who the characters are—but a woman who is dead and is upset with a man who is still alive comes back to visit him, and her spirit, her her long hair turns far longer and turns into ropes and the ropes have him ensnared and they're choking the life out of him. And it's like, gosh, it's, yeah, it's this author is excellent at description.
1: I think I might need to have a copy of that from my shelf. (laughs) Not ever
2: having uh, known really much about Vietnamese culture, other than the snippets you get mostly about the war. I was just amazed at her ability to put you into these places and make them seem so vivid and so real. And the, the characters are interesting. Like I said, it's intricately plotted. It moves back and forth in time. You spend a lot of time going, and why am I even learning about these people? What do they have to do with the story? But eventually, they will. Oh, all, the, see, all the threads are brought together.
1: That's one of the reasons <laughs> that it's important to hear reviews is that sometimes you pick up a book and you go, oh, for Pete's sakes, why are they doing this? If, if you know that there's a payoff at the end, you know you're going to get resolution then uh-huh. you're more likely to actually dig in.
2: Yeah, and this this book is absolutely wonderful at doing that. Uh, I did look a little bit into the information online about the author, and she is herself a child of, a, I think, a Vietnamese and Caucasian couple who went to Vietnam and taught English. So she's got some real real life experience, you know, or knowledge that she's based this on. i I'm, I'm sure the book is entirely fictional, but. She knows her stuff, she knows the culture, and she conveys it so vividly and just a fascinating book. It was, it was a slow start, it took, it took it a little while to grow on me, but by the end, it's a story that you, you finish the book and you're just going, wow, I mean, it'll give you a book hangover for a couple of days. So that was
1: Build Your House Around My Body by Violet Coopersmith. Remember a while back, I don't know how many years ago this has been, a couple of years, I think, when I did that review of the book where it's two little kids just randomly catch on fire. Yeah. Yeah. I read that. Yeah. That's called Nothing to See Here. And that's actually going to be made mm-hmm. into a movie very, very Is soon. it? Yep. Did you read a second one? That's yeah, what the next I, one? That's what I'm going to review right now. Cool.
0: I've wanted to read that because yep. I like the first one, but I hadn't gotten a copy yet.
1: Now if you haven't read Nothing to See Here, you really must because it's such a great book and it really wasn't all that long. This one is also fairly short. I'm looking here, 256 pages, so really fairly short. It's called Now Is Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Wilson. A very, very engaging read. One of the things about Kevin Wilson's writing is when you read the description, you're like, Eh, it looks okay, maybe. I don't know. But then when you start reading it, he just has such a way with words, for me anyway, I just immediately just sucked into this story. It's about a high school student. She's 16, named Frankie, and she is a weird kid. And in the the story, she kind of hooks up with another weird kid. As coming-of-age stories go... It's pretty damn bizarre because, well, for one thing, she's an. I found her character a really interesting character just based on her life. I mean, she's the youngest, but she has older brothers that are triplets. So if you can imagine having an older brother times three, it, it was just really the the dynamics between her and her brothers, that part of it was extremely interesting to me for some reason, I don't know why her parents are divorced, but her friend that she meets, he moves to town to live with his grandmother. And it's summertime. And she finds out that his dad was caught cheating. And so their family left and came home to stay. And you hear kind of the sordid details and whatnot. But really, the, the book is so much more about what they create together. She and Zeke, is obviously doesn't really know anybody because he's just moved to town. So he and Frankie end up becoming friends. And one of the reasons that, that the, the, the the triplets are so interesting is they're just boys. And one day they bring home they steal this printer. This is back in the in the 90s. So they steal this printer and all the paper and cartridges and stuff out of some place and bring it home and xerox their butts. And, of course, they end up wrecking it, and then it's just sitting there. Well, Frankie, Zeke is kind of an artist, so she comes up with this idea that they can look at the printer, or maybe it's his idea, I don't remember, but they they take it out to the garage, and they fix it, and turns out it was something really simple. But then they make this poster by using a combination of different techniques using his artwork, and then movement of the image, once they start. Well, they then add this really, a really cryptic phrase is what they add to it. It is almost like poetry, and I wish I had written that down as well, because it's very, something like, we are fugitives from, or fugitives from something, and the law is skinny with hunger for us. So it's like, really cryptic and weird. So they come up with this piece of artwork, this poster. And they come up with this idea to just go and put it up all over town. And it's a pretty small town. So they basically just do this guerrilla warfare type art all over town. Well, of course, nobody knows where the posters came from. Nobody knows what the phrase means. And as a part of the weirdness right after that this couple of teenagers um end up getting stuck out in the woods and they weren't supposed to be out so they make up this story about getting kidnapped by these guys in a black van well it immediately goes to a satanic panic type thing and so the whole town is in this uproar about this poster. Basically, the entire book is about this poster. For one thing, Frankie can't stop. She puts it up constantly, and she constantly repeats the phrase to herself, because she's the one that came up with the, the poem or whatever you want to call it, the phrase. And she becomes just absolutely obsessed with putting the poster up furtively everywhere she goes. And it just blows up into this massive thing. And the story sort of revolves around all of the intrigue that has blown up because of this poster. And then it goes into Frankie as an adult. And there, there's a portion of the story that takes place there as well. God, it was just so... It's hard to explain why I liked it so much besides the fact that um, Kevin Wilson just does a really incredible job of capturing my imagination. I liked both of the main characters and I liked hearing about their stories and the things that happened to them as kids that they couldn't control and the things they could control and what happens as a result of all of this. I just found fascinating and so highly entertaining Plus, you couple that with the fact that it was very short, it made it the perfect book for me at this moment in my life. It was just very engaging. I, I would recommend this book to people who even maybe aren't huge weird fiction fans. As you know, I am very weird fiction fan. Because it just really has all the p- bits and pieces of the intrigue of being young the things that you find fascinating when you're young, the way people can take rumor and fiction and just blow it up into this bizarre thing that it isn't. I just found that incredibly entertaining. So I would highly recommend, uh, especially because it's short, it's not a big commitment to take this on. And I think for a lot of people in their busy lives that's definitely the case. I obviously read the audiobook and the audio was wonderfully done as well. And it was called Now is Not the Time to Panic by Kevin Wilson. That's all I have to say about that. I like Kevin Wilson's books. Like even though
0: that last one was really weird, nothing to see here. He didn't make it like that was the really weird thing. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. He made it like, okay, this weird thing is happening, but let's get to the bigger picture, which is how we deal with it and what we do like, and, and it was, it was a a really weird thing that happened, but it wasn't, it wasn't this book like, oh, this is weird. It was more of a, okay, how do we react to this very bizarre thing that's happened?
1: Right. And if we treat it in such a way that it's just a problem to be solved, then it makes it much easier to deal with.
0: Yeah. And it helps to make the books shorter too, because then it's like, that's one of the things with, and I love fantasy and I love sci-fi, but that's one of the things that like to introduce exactly why the world is weird. You have Mm -hmm. to go through all this back stuff and then you have to understand why the world is this way. Like Kevin Wilson just writes about bizarre shit and he's like, okay, I'm not going to explain why it's like, and we're not going to talk about why it's a thing or how, this happened in a scientific experiment. It just is. So get over it and let's move on.
1: Yep. <laughs> that was what made that book so brilliant was the fact mm-hmm. that he didn't make a huge deal out of it.
0: Was it the same audiobook narrator? Do you remember?
1: Um, hold on, I'm gonna look now.
0: You don't have to look it up. I just remembered that the audiobook
1: narrator was really good too. No, I don't. I don't recall specifically. I returned it already because there were people waiting. And I read it so fast. I'm impressed you got it already. It just came out, right? Dude, this is what I do. I go in and I put things on hold. I look for authors that I recognize or books I'm interested in. And they're on on my hold list for months at a time. (laughs) I was first on the list for that thing because I was paying attention. I'm a Hawkeye, man, I got it first. So it's a good thing I got lots of spots in my hold list (laughs) and I've kind of figured out a way around the recommendation thing and I don't know if it's going to continue to be this way because I'm not sure how they're going to handle right now you can go in on your computer and recommend titles to the library through overdrive Mm -hmm. and I don't know if that's going to continue to happen after they get rid of overdrive as an option but for right now, that's what I've been doing because I switched over to Libby and you can't recommend books on Libby. So I've been doing it on on the actual computer app for the library. I, I made the switch to Libby just about two weeks ago. Yeah, it's kind it's kind of hard to get used to.
2: Well, actually, I found it much easier to use than overdrive. Really?
1: Yeah.
0: That's the whole reason it exists. Overdrive made it because so many people complained about how hard overdrive was to use. So Libby was like the, the easy version.
1: Yeah. But for me, I have it set up. So I don't, I don't like the fact that it drains my battery. That was my biggest gripe with it to begin with. Mm. So I went Mm. in and I set it so that it doesn't, I don't know exactly how to put this, but every time I push the button, it, it pulls up another screen. Like if I, want it, if I push play on one of my things, this whole other thing comes up and says, you have to change your settings in order to get it to play faster oh. or whatever. Well, the fact that it plays faster is why it sucks my battery down and I change the settings on it. So it's clunkier to use if you make it so it doesn't suck your battery. So that's the biggest reason that I don't like it. Is, is it stream? Is that it's not, it, it it does. Like you can push the button and it's like right away there.
0: Uh, so it yeah, doesn't have it to download. They don't download the way
1: your other one does. And I don't like so. that either because if you're on an airplane, it doesn't download the freaking book. You're sitting up there and you, <laughs> you know, you have only as much as you can get by or if you don't, connectivity. Yeah, you don't have internet yeah. and you can't stream so, it. So I hate that part of it.
2: But oh, I didn't, didn't realize that about it. I, I, didn't that either, I didn't know that either.
1: Well, I, I, I don't <laughs> know if I don't know if there's a way around that. But I do know that that happened to me when I went to Seattle, and boy was I pissed off because that was the. I mean, I had some. Luckily, I also have Audible, which allows you to download the books, and I had some Audible things that I could listen to while I was on the plane. But boy was I pissed because I was already. I had all my stuff lined out and. I get up there and it wouldn't play.
3: Well, didn't Allison have problems with that too?
1: I think Wasn't so, it Allison that Somebody said something about it.
3: Like when she was when she was flying to Colorado and we did yeah, that um, Yeah. that live show in Colorado. Yeah. It might not have been her. I just remember somebody telling yeah. me about it. I thought it was Allison. Well, I just
2: looked up the the Libby thing and it says you can stream the book if you're storage conscious or download the book if you're data conscious. Yeah,
1: I'm not really 100% sure what the deal is with that whether i'm of how exactly i'm doing it wrong does that make sense ah it has to be a setting in there somewhere yeah i know it does but i just don't know the fact that it doesn't work like overdrive did makes me cross because i'm old speaking of old has anybody heard of mastodon the dinosaur no mastodon is a a new ice age well it's a social media platform That's what I thought it was. The social media platform. Uh, One reason I knew about it is because of all this Twitter controversy that's going on. Mm-hmm. Now that the devil owns Twitter, a lot of people were trying to find a different place to be. So I kind of started looking around and I thought, well, what the hell? I'll, I'm going to try this and see how it goes. It's early days yet. I've only been on it for a few days. Just you and Trump, right? No, this is not. He's not on that, you fucker. He's he's not on that one. But it's really, it's a totally different way of doing it. So it's like, instead of being one platform for everyone, it's a bunch of separate platforms and you can choose which one to be on based on the content and whatnot. So the one I'm on, I think is called, mindfully or something like it's like for nice people basically where you keep <laughs> So why are you on it because <laughs> I because I don't want to if I if I want to look at social media I don't want to be angry
3: I don't I, I don't joking. like that
1: so the, the idea that I can look at cool photography you know see what people are talking about there's a book kind of section in it but there's not very many people on it so it's it's like an, in its infancy I can never think of what to hashtag like when I put a post up I'm like oh hashtag I'm just learning I'm just going through it and learning right now it's like I said there's not a lot to look at because until you follow people you can't see anything but you don't know who to follow so you kind of, I kind of went through and was, and have been playing with it and I can't see which instance I'm in is that's what it's called. Like the different sections of it is called the instance. And huh. instead of a tweet, it's a toot. Why the hell is it called Mastodon? Cause it has a little elephant icon, <laughs> but, um, but it's a lot like Twitter, similar to Twitter, but it's not Twitter. So anyway, I'm on the mindly or mindfully. I don't know which, I don't know where to even look for that information on here. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. But um, it, if you're looking for me on Mastodon, my name on there is Tha Steel Trap. So come and follow me on Mastodon. <laughs> Let's steal
0: with a
1: S-T-E-E-L-E. Yeah, Tha Steel Trap. T H A S T E E L E T R A P, the steel trap. Mind like the steel trap. Uh, oh yeah. Yep. Exactly. I don't got to know one of those. I'm surprised you do. No. It nothing comes in or out. It's a steel trap. <laughs> <laughs> it goes in there and fucking gets lost. Gets stuck. Yeah. So I just found it. One thing that I noticed about it right away is that because everybody's new. They're all really interested in following each other, and it seems to be very generous. You know, you, I'm actually kind of interacting with a lot of people, whereas with Twitter, it was like shouting into the void because you can tweet and nobody floor. likes it, nobody's interested in it, nobody has. You know, so there's no way to like make a dent.
0: Yeah, but this could be like the the. Hmm.
1: It could be like nothing, and if it's nothing, that's cool. This like could MySpace. be like the
0: Laserdisc versus
1: the... Versus it could, it could the be. It could be. I was just intrigued. Betamax versus VHS. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was intrigued because Twitter is such a cesspool. And I go and I I look at it because I want to see what people are talking about. But 99% of the time, it's all sports anyway on the, on the trending stuff. And I fucking hate sports. So I'm like, you know what? I'm trying something new. I'm signing up for mastodon, so I did. So there you go. That's my pitch. Until the sports people come and take over your poor mind, I think there's a, yep. although I think there's an instance for sport sports people. I think they have well, their own little they have their own little club. I just picked the one that would be most likely to go with books, with people who are nice and interested in talking about things that actually have substance. So I don't know. I we'll wonder
0: how long before there's a smut group on. I Mastodal. think there probably is a
1: smut group on there.
3: I'll go on. That I'm was going.
1: probably one of the first groups that they set up. And I don't <laughs> think you can pick multiple instances. I think you just have. If you do pick multiple instances, I think you have to have multiple.
0: So wait, I can't and... be both on smut and on like um, the the cool stuff that the Japanese have that we
1: don't. Well, y- that's... you have to pick. <laughs> You have to pick your initial instance, and I'm sure there are people within that instance that are interested in what you're interested um. in. See, it's like it's like if you go, you see a strip mall, and there's a Target and a Kohl's and uh, something else over here, PetSmart, and you walk into the store, into the PetSmart, and Yeah, it's going to be mostly pets, but if you were to strike up a conversation with somebody in there, you might learn something else, what else they're interested in. But it's mostly pets. I mean, like the one I'm on, Catterday was the big, (laughs) big thing today. So there were a lot of cats. So I liked a lot of cats today, And, and I met a Terry Pratchett fan on my first day somebody in England so you know what I'm promoting the fuck out of the podcast on Mastodon right now I'm like hey have you yeah, heard our podcast and Saturday is self-promotion Saturday so I'm digging it cool Bonnie's like this is ridiculous shit I don't No, like I'm it. just I'm just not really
3: on social media a lot just because I don't know it's just so repetitive it is so, like, I barely ever get on Instagram or Twitter. I
1: don't like Instagram at all.
3: The only reason I get on Facebook is just to check up on my family to see because a lot of times, instead of like calling every single person, they'll either mass text or just put
1: something on Facebook. Well, Facebook's my favorite. I'm not going to hate, I'm not going to switch out of Facebook, but I mean, I see it as an opportunity to reach people that I would never reach on Facebook because Facebook yeah. is just too specific. TikTok's where it's at too you're much stuff. Out. I don't like videos though. You see, that's the issue for me. I, I I'm love not, them. I'm not big into images or videos. So if people are I talking, want, and I want them
0: to be like less than five minutes, which is why I can't do YouTube. I'm like, okay, I want to watch you show me 10 books, but not 20 books. And I don't want to hear you talk about them.
1: Go.
3: Yeah. A lot of times on TikTok, if it's more than like two minutes, like I'm
1: switching to the next one, I'm like, yeah, okay. Anything with sound, if it has sound in it, I'm not looking at it. I'll look at it like if it's like, I like watching occasionally if something is like they're building something. Sometimes I'll post those on Facebook where they're the little fairy house that I put up there that one time. Yeah, It's fascinating to watch them do shit like that. But you put the sound on and I'm out because it's usually some <laughs> shitty music or somebody yammering on about something. I just want to. It's cool to look at that for a second and then move on with my life. I do not like the sound. as As a rule, Facebook is starting to piss me off because it's almost all videos now. I don't know if you've noticed that, especially on the mobile one. They're trying. Other thing is, they're trying Instagram to be. Instagram has
0: pretty much all gone to. On Instagram, if you don't post videos, you don't get viewers. Yeah.
1: Anymore. It's all video, 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 <clears throat> video. Well, this this platform is not. And I like that. I like a little bit of relaxed conversation, maybe a small connection here and there. You know, I, looking at some cool shit, learning something new. Cool. Anyway. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> they got all kinds of fucking tutorials on I there. I honestly
0: would be, but I'm not planning much because I can't eat it. So who the hell cares?
1: So you're eating solids though now, right?
0: I am, but I just, I just can't eat much of it. So Thanksgiving is kind of a gluttonous holiday. It is a gluttonous holiday. Yes, it is. It is. I'm like, what is the point? Because my family, my family won't eat leftovers. I will, but no one else will. So if I make a huge turkey, Mm. like the next day, I'm going to be the only one eating the turkey for the next eight
3: months. Oh my God. See, I have to make a 20-pound turkey for four people, or else I won't get any leftovers. I because love Because everybody brings their dishes to fill up with leftovers for That's Thanksgiving. That's how our dinner is. Fucking yeah.
1: freeloaders, man. Come over take all your food home. Seriously, what the hell?
0: <laughs> They're old enough that they could cook for themselves, Tyler. Really? The Jeez. But Tyler, are you bringing yeah, the a leftovers dish? The, no. the leftovers are the
1: best part. leftovers are the best part, Pat. All right. Fess up. I make a small turkey every year just for us
3: so So that we can have have turkey
1: sandwiches. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. you, you go to Thanksgiving at somebody else's house and you're not getting much to come back with. Usually Dylan will take leftovers from there.
3: I don't know about anybody else, but like when I'm at somebody else's house... And they're like, "Oh no, take some of this turkey home." And I'm like, "Oh, well, maybe just a little bit." And they put like 3 or 4 pieces in a baggie. I'm like, "Yeah, that's plenty." <laughs> <laughs> but you but you can't say, "Oh, come on, pile it on." I'm like, could you put about 2 dozen more pieces in there? <laughs>
1: that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it is hard when you're eating at somebody else's house.
3: Yeah, you know what I really like in I might get if there's any leftovers and they put them on sale is the smoked turkeys.
1: Oh, I love smoke. Have turkey. you ever gotten
3: this? Well, you turkeys? do know that we have a oh, smoker, right? It's just, I can't get a smoked turkey cause I can't stuff. I can't um, put the stuffing inside. Yeah. Cause I know you're not supposed to, but yeah. I always put this, I always stuff this dressing inside the turkey.
1: I do both. I, I make a huge thing of stuffing and put some of it inside. And then when it's done, I scoop out the stuff in the middle and keep it separate. And I usually throw that out.
3: What, the stuff that's in the turkey? Yeah. Why? That's the best it's all one. Gooey. Oh, yeah, because that's all the, gooey that and weird. The best part. Oh no, that's delicious. That's and Then like it's all full of turkey. Turkey juice.
2: juices and yeah. yeah.
3: And mm. all those spices and stuff
1: all cook in there. Oh, it's delicious. Oh, salmonella vessel. <laughs> Come to me. Cut, that's. I am on your team on that one, Keith. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I can I, I have can never stuffed the turkey with actual stuffing ever. I stuff it, but then I kind of get rid of the stuffing. Because if you don't put very much in there, then you still get the good, you know, it Flabors. keeps the bird... It I makes the bird it, taste No, better. you can put aromatics in, in it. And it in there, I
2: stuff it from both ends and I leave the stuffing in the turkey for a day or two after. And t- I've never had any ill
3: effects. <laughs> you I say mean, that now, you know, Pat. You say that now. They have thermometers. You can test what the temperature is of the stuffing. I, mean, I wouldn't eat make the stuffing sure. regardless
0: because I think stuffing, unless I make it out of bread cubes, is gross. And my family doesn't want me to make stuffing from like actual toasted breast cube. They want me to make stovetop. Oh so, gross. <laughs> Oh, no. I tried making a really cool like fig and apple stuffing oh. once and I thought everyone was gonna die.
1: Oh my gosh. Um
3: I used oh. that stove-top sounds delicious. Stuffing. I would I would totally eat fig and
1: apple so long as you don't put nuts in it. You put freaking pecans in there and I'm I'm out. not a big
0: fan of nuts and food. You know
1: what grosses me right out. And Ron wants me to do this every year. I just can't. He wants to put giblets in the stuffing. Yeah, I my grandma that. used to do that. I yeah. cannot do that. It totally ruins the fucking stuffing, man.
3: Or you make giblet gravy. Oh no,
1: thank you. You cook the you giblets. No. Ron Ron makes giblet, giblet gravy. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna gravy. if you're gonna use the giblets, the gravy's a better option. But the texture In stuffing, you're going along and you're chewing the stuffing and then (laughs) a piece of heart in there. That's disgusting, man. God. I I wouldn't put the heart in it. Totally fucking ruin the stuffing. We were talking about mastodon. Me, Every um, time you start to say this,
0: I think you're going to say we were talking about masturbation and it <laughs> freaks me out.
1: Okay.
0: So mastodon she- needs to change its name. It offends me. And come it's on. It's strange. Instead name.
1: of a tweet, it's a toot. To- is that what it is? Yes, it's a toot from a Mastodon? That's like the nastiest
0: fart I can think of. So <laughs> it's
3: an elephant fart. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
3: you're sending out farts in the world.
1: Hey, I kind of think that's cool. Call it like a trumpet or something.
3: Sometimes they're real stinkers.
1: But um bump shh any other elephant jokes we can go there? Who runs Mastodon? Is it Elon Tusk? Nice God and that's gonna do it for Three Three Book Girls.
0: Girls. Can't get enough of three book girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group